Welcome to Pipeline, Profiles in Philosophy and Education. I'm your host, Winston C. Thompson. Pipeline is a monthly short-form interview program focused on contemporary scholars. For more information and to subscribe to the podcast, please visit pipeline.fm. Pipeline is made possible by the generous support of the Education Department of the University of New Hampshire. This episode, we're joined by Chris Mayo, University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. Chris, welcome to Pipeline. In order to get us started, perhaps you can share with our listeners how it was that you began doing philosophical work in education. Something about uh, your entrance into this field would be quite helpful. It's a great question, Winston, and it goes quite far back to when I took courses on uh, feminist philosophy with Linda Nicholson Mm -hmm. as an undergrad in a, a women's studies program. And I became very interested in some of the core questions about how we think about political critique, where does someone start their critique, uh, is, is the position of the, the critic inside or outside the social field in which they're criticizing. And that spread into thinking about feminist pedagogy and mm. who we mean to be reaching and how we think we're going to be teaching and how we're going to connect with difference in the classroom. And of course, when you're talking about feminist pedagogy with someone who's as old as I am, the key book in Introduction to Feminism at the time was This Bridge Called My Back, edited by Gloria Anzaldúa and Sherry Moraga. And so that really opened questions about intersectional approaches to pedagogy. And those were questions that had me thinking for a long time, but Mm. like any good women's studies major. I graduated from university and waitressed for 10 years. Okay. Um, and then I was very fortunate to uh, have a very close friend who went to the University of Illinois Educational Policy Studies program. And when I went out to visit her and saw what Philosophy of Ed was doing in terms of asking normative questions about the practice of education and, mm. and about pedagogical approaches and thinking about bringing social theory together to bear to, uh, to questions on education, um, that it seemed like a very good fit to the interest that I had. Um, I won't say that I think I spent most of my time as a graduate student working on feminist pedagogy, but as a professor now, I often think about questions of intersectionality. My most recent work has been on that, and I'm still trying to think about difference and pedagogy. I'm teaching a first-year class to our uh, elementary ed students, a large lecture, introducing them to the idea of identity and difference in Mm -hmm. educational settings. And I get to be more philosophical than I think most people in teacher ed get to be because this is a course before they get into methods. And we want them to think about how people come to identities in uh, asymmetrical but relational situations, how uh, identities are immersed in contentious communities, and how structures of inequality are framing the any debate that's going on about schooling and any debate that's going on about identity. So I've found that gender studies, uh, queer studies, just intermingle very nicely mm-hmm. with educational philosophy and always have. I think we're, we're asking similar questions, even if we were to take both fields apart. Um, I think those questions have the questions of aims of education, uh, normative conditions for educational practice, power imbalances have really been running through philosophy of ed in much the same ways that they've been running through anything from manifestos of gay liberation to the early uh, radical lesbian writings to the women of color feminism that I, I found uh, so 
enlightening and just productive in mm. my early studies. So those questions, I think, get taken out, and they get taken out sometimes in more specificity in philosophy of ed in terms of the meaning of education, but I don't think they that philosophy of ed has often, although I think it has in the last couple of decades, addressed issues of difference as well as it could have. And I, I do think that's one of the things that's happening in philosophy of ed that is better than it used to be. Sure. Not that I don't think the, the older work is good. And I, I take some of my older colleagues' um, cautions very nicely, which are a lot of the debates that I might be talking about have been talked about in earlier philosophy of ed. We should start going back and seeing how, how those philosophers talked about them as well. I think we're mm. we're often very forward-looking in our work, and we don't look back to see what, what came before us. Um, and that's a little bit of a digression, but I do think it's just something I think about when I think about where... Where is my work going and where is the field going? Who am I citing? Why am I citing them? I know that I'm both interested in philosophy of ed and I'm interested in queer studies. How do I bring those together? Do I go back to people who are starting to talk about difference or do I go back to queer studies? And I think these are questions for us as we think about where the field is going as well. in the yeah. next few years. You know? Well, So what I'm hearing from you is that you sort of found yourself doing this work and, and you sort of entered a conversation that was already sort of uh, in process, right? And so, uh, on one on the one hand, you were sort of uh, uniting streams in a conversation in very productive ways, uh, and you're now reflecting on the ways in which some of the uh, elements of the conversation that may have happened sort of uh, before you began productive work uh, may be uh, worth taking a look at yeah. once once again. Now, uh, as you as you began your articulation here, you, you made mention of a couple of concepts, and I, and I just would like to highlight some of them so that we might uh, uh, bring some of our listeners in in case they're unfamiliar with these terms. But uh, you mentioned uh, uh, power asymmetries, you talked about inequalities, you talked about difference, uh, and you also made use of the term intersectionality. So could you speak about intersectionality a bit and how intersectionality relates to these issues of power imbalances, power asymmetries, difference and identity? Sure. And I'd just start with Simone de Beauvoir and think about the the relation of self to other and when she's talking about the relation of self to other with regard to gender, she says this is an in- asymmetrical relationship that that we might think about I and thou as sort of the formative moment of identity, but unless we import into it that notion of otherness and that we see that even though whatever category of minority or majority identity we're talking about, it's always infused with a power imbalance. We don't understand that the relationality isn't equal. Sure. And so when I try to think about relationalities in identities and encourage uh, white students to see the production of of their supposedly privileged and, as they often say, sheltered upbringing Mm -hmm. as the counter to the the power imbalances in any given uh, even neighborhood where redlining has defined who can buy which piece of property and so on. I want them to be thinking not just that they're defining themselves against an other who then becomes a problem for them, but they are also importing into their definition of relationality the problems of the color lines I that see. are defining their lives. Sure. And the same is true for other identities that I would talk about. And so when we think about identity as relational, power is always there. And when power is there, that which isn't in power is defined as the thing that's different. Hmm. Now, on the one hand, I want to say that's that seems to me a pretty stable case across identities, but on the other hand, there's something about difference that's also highly appealing, right? right? So at the same time that I would be talking about this problem of othering, there's also attraction. Mm. And 
what I think is so interesting about queer theory is that it's trying to work on getting us to see how our attractions work against normatives, that we are always in some kind of crisis, no matter what one's sexual orientation or gender identity is, about the opportunity to be or to be with or to identify with or identify as someone else. And that kind of fracturing of possibilities um, creates almost an invitation to rethink where you are in relationship to power. Interesting. Then you get into intersectionality because we're not only doing this at all of these complex operations of, of self-indifference on one register, we are all complexly raced, classed, gendered, sexualityed, um, ethnicityed, regioned, religioned, uh, disabilityed or not disabilityed mm. people um, at one time. And, and I don't want to get all sociological and say I think one category is salient and at one time and one category isn't, but rather to say I think what what intersectionality has tried to do, and this does start with women of color feminism, particularly with the Combahee River Collective Statement, um, telling us that oppressions are interlocking, that our identities are intersecting. And I think about Kimberly Crenshaw's work mm-hmm. discussing how the law does not address black women. It may address women, it may address race, sure. but in many categories it just doesn't address black women. And I think we can make a very clear also argument that it doesn't address black men, but that's that's sure. a whole other issue, right? So what I'm interested in, in thinking about intersectionality is to say, is to invite people to consider the multiple terms by which they identify and are identified, and I know this begins to sound sociological, but I think when we're thinking about intersectionality, we're also trying to bring in a kind of complexity of thought and action together mm. that requires philosophy of ed. Sure. I, I think thinking about the different normative dimensions to alliance, solidarity, um, ally status, which is, I think, different than alliance. Um, And all of those ways that we work together um, both reminds us that we bring multiple forms of ascribed identity with us, but we also bring multiple forms of relations to bear in any interaction. Mm -hmm. And I think each of these things is so complex that we get to a lot of political impasse. Now, what I'm interested in doing in, in my recent work is trying to figure out how we can talk more about the time and place of intersections. Okay. Because I think it's very hard for us to have conversations across difference without wanting to set cards on the table. It's almost as if we're um, playing, I don't want to say we're playing a game, but we're, we're trying to account for what the power vectors in any interaction would be. Sure. And I, I think it's not, it's not easy to do that calculus, and I think rather than trying to do a calculus, and I would go back to the Combahee River Collective at this point and say, they say, don't rank oppressions. We need to find ways to work together. I think among the ways that we need to find ways to work together are to account for the time of our complexity mm-hmm. and the form that our relation can take in a given space and interaction, and I do think these are hard questions. So, so given given the state of those those difficult questions, I mean, so you just uh, uh, alluded to the fact that these are some of the things that you've been working on in your more recent work. Could you give us uh, some sense of the scope of your, of your work then uh, around these sorts of topics, or rather said differently, uh, given the fact that these sorts of ideas, these topics, have informed the ways in which uh, you've uh, sort of uh, uh, conducted work on the subjects of education? Yeah. Uh, can you just spell out for us some of the uh, uh, the patterns that you've identified? 
or conclusions that you have reached through your, through your well, research? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm going in two different directions, and one of them does wind up involving qualitative research. So mm-hmm. I did some work with Gay-Straight Alliances in the last 10 years, uh, interviewing and observing groups that were groups in high schools trying to bring together students who had different experiences of sexuality and gender, but to bring them into one space. And I tried in that work to try to figure out how they formed an alliance. Mm -hmm. Did did they understand themselves as being in solidarity? So I would say basically standing beside one another, not necessarily sharing identity, but sharing a, a hope that the schools would be better communities. I see. Were they allies in the sense that they were willing to trade off? So they would trade off, I'll work for racial justice if you'll work for um, sexuality-related justice. Okay. Um, Or were they some other form of much more comprehensively and complexly interlinked group of people who were identifying with, as, against, towards, whatever, Hmm. one another? And it seems more like if you sit with a group for a while, it's the latter but there are other forms of uh, alliances and coalition going on, as alliance or, or uh, solidarity would indicate. What I'm doing in my most recent project is taking that up again hmm. and now doing retrospective interviews with students who are doing organizing at the college level where they've had to think in much more detail about how they're going to engage in coalition or whether they're engaging in coalition. So I'm hoping in this work to get... I almost want to say a happier answer, but I'm hoping to get students who have had some experience working across difference and who have even thought of themselves now differently because of the passage of time and to see how how they work through these practical issues and whether I can tease out from those things some theories that might be helpful or some, some part of, of philosophy of education might help to steer them towards thinking about it. I'm not sure which direction this is going to go. This project just... Sure. It's been months in IRB. Um, sure. Yeah. So that's another issue for philosophers out there who are budding qualitative researchers. Sure. You'll have plenty of time for contemplation while you wait for IRB. <laughs> right. And, and because I think so many young people are interested in positively changing the world, yeah. but don't yet have the vocabulary for taking responsibility for where they haven't been able to do so in the past, hmm. I think especially those of us who are educators need to help them gather together the kinds of tools that will get them past the problems of their upbringing if they're brought up in segregated areas or get them thinking much more imaginatively about their own identity possibilities if they've been brought up to only um, believe that they're one thing Um, and I'm I'm hoping that that taking what the youth are doing will be interesting we'll see well, I mean, it sounds—it does sound very interesting to me. I mean, thinking about the ways in which our identities are fluid and how we uh, sort of come to form ourselves in the sorts of categories that are presented to us, um, I, I'm inclined to agree with you uh, rather wholeheartedly that uh, the present moment seems to be one rife with uh, all sorts of uh, passionate uh, uh, pleas to move towards greater justice, right. but a general sense of uncertainty about how we might achieve that justice and what that justice uh, might look like. In some ways. Uh, that sort of uh, uh, the, the the sort of ambiguity of this present moment um, might, in fact, mirror some ambiguities in our field. Um, I wonder right. if if you might say something about uh, some of the yeah. uh, difficulties that sort of uh, face uh, the field of philosophy of education, and what sorts of things ought we look forward to or be wary of. 
I think a lot of us in philosophy of education have said for probably more than a couple decades now that it would be a very good idea for philosophy of ed to take its interest in ethics and bring them to bear more distinctly on either diversity education or multicultural education, whatever term it's called, although that is also fading in colleges of ed. Mm. Um, Because humanities-based studies in education are under attack again, still, always. I mean, it's been like this for a while. I think we need to be thinking more clearly in our field about, I don't want to say impact. That's, I'm getting a little tired of having to measure impact. Sure. And we certainly don't want to always be talking about standards, but we need to be thinking about how we're going to enter into these conversations more effectively. Mm-hmm. And I think, for instance, doing a podcast, good idea. You know, running Thank blogs, you. good idea. Um, trying to show people that, that the, the kind of perennial questions we're asking in philosophy that are very important the newer questions that we're now asking in philosophy of ed, I think because we've been pushed to do so by other areas of study that have impacted us, are very important. But I think we are in a climate where our work is going to be more difficult if we don't get to be more flexible. Now, I think most of us are more flexible. I sure. think, you know, you have only to scratch a philosopher of ed and you'll find, you know, in my case, the director of online learning at the College of Ed. So I'm interested in relationality in education. Now I'm interested in relationality um, related to technology-based education mm-hmm. and how do we make new kinds of relations using technology. Well, this is a question we've had since Marx. You know, I don't think these are new questions, but I think philosophy of ed has always been, I will say this for it, flexibly interested in how the world of education is changing and willing to enter into the conversation at a moment's notice. I think that's a very good thing about it. And I think being able to bring our criticality to bear on education is all the more important as we're being corporatized now in the boldest ways. I mean, Mm -hmm. the posters in schools now say Pearson. Sure. Um, And not calling out one person, I could call out any other of our corporate people friends on this. Um, We need to be out there at least making that critical voice sustained throughout these times that I think are probably more challenging than they have been in a good long time, and I and I hope that we have the the staying power to sustain the critique and to help people in other fields who also want to mount these critiques, but may not necessarily always have the context, uh, the conceptual tools, or feel like they have the time. And the last thing I want to say about philosophy of ed and what we give is, I think we give people the time to stop mm-hmm. and think and consider together. And I think everyone is so embattled trying to follow whatever the next new standard is that in a way we're back to philosophy being a luxury. It's back Mm. to being a leisure activity. Interesting. But it's a leisure activity that motivates us to make the kind of political change that we need in schools. And so I think in a certain sense I want us to be able to embrace that stoppage in time. And this is also why my interest in intersectionality is about time because I think there is a lot of discussion in areas of difference and especially contending and contentious difference that doesn't have or doesn't feel it has the time for reflection. But I do think if you look at the founding papers of any group, I mean, I look at the founding papers of uh, Black Lives Matter. This mm-hmm. is a moment of contemplation in a time of urgent action. And their ability to balance both the contemplative, deep, thought necessary 
to do action, mm. I think is very much part of a philosophical tradition. We may not have always been focused on Interesting. Yeah. action per se, but I think there are a lot of philosophies that have been interested in action. Most but I think to try to think about reflection as necessary for action, I know I'm not saying anything that anyone else hasn't said here, but I think that the fact of the need for time, the fact of the need for relationality, and the fact of the need for uh, understanding ethics within a complexly identified social field is just absolutely critical. And I do think this is what the new work in philosophy of ed has been about for a long time. And I'm not saying it needs to be the only work. It's, I think it's a very strong strand, but I think it's a really important strand. Mm. And the other strands are important too. <laughs> well, Chris Mayo, thank you so much. You've given us a, a very fine challenge for philosophy of education in a challenging world. Um, given the sense of urgency that you've, that you've articulated, um, uh, these questions really can't be avoided. Yeah. Well, Th- thank you for your time. No, thank you. For more information and to review previous episodes, please visit www.pipeline.fm. A very special thanks to Moby for use of his song Summer as our theme.